live from our respective apartments, it's Just Meaningful Plastic. Here are the hosts, Katie Clay Anita and Chris Stockham, also Anita. <laughs> That's right, folks. There are two Anitas. Welcome back to Just Meaningful Plastic, a Dancing with the Stars retrospective podcast. There are snaps. There are Anitas, and there are kicks. That's all you need to know. Happy West Side Story Month. It is our third week. Uh, when you are listening to this, it means that West Side Story is already out. Um, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg's film has been out for about one week. Mm-hmm. For us, when we are recording this, we are recording it the week of release. The movie is yet to be seen by us. Um, mm-hmm. So even though y'all have had the chance to see it, we figured the way we were going to structure this is you'll have two weeks to see it yeah. before you hear our thoughts. This week, you still have the chance to go out and see it, um, but exactly. we're just going to talk about our hopes, our dreams, our expectations, how we're feeling, because... It changes every week. Yeah, we're hoping that we can just kind of like paint a picture of how we're feeling. Maybe it entices you and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get to the theater now and I stop before next week's episodes drop because there's no way that you could ever just wait to listen to it. You have to listen to it on release date. Mm-hmm. So, or maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so fearful for them. I better go check this out so I know what, what I'm getting into next week. I don't know. We'll see how tonight turns out. Or maybe you've already seen the movie and listening to us, sweet summer children, talking about, well, I bet this or I bet that. And you'll be like, oh, well, they're idiots. Yeah. These poor, poor fools have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And that I might think, be the best way to listen to this podcast, honestly. I think it's probably always best to listen to us with pity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we're doing regular Dancing with the Stars, half the time I'm listening to you with pity thinking, well, goodbye, Sabrina. <laughs> I know. Does it? How does it? Well, we're not going to handle the can of worms. I was going to say, how does it feel? We're not, we don't need to go there. I mean... It's what it is sometimes. I was just I like, uh oh, wait, wait for Stacy Keebler. <laughs> I know. Oh, Stacy. <laughs> um, by the way, just because Katie said it right before we started recording, I'm really sorry I wasn't recording the last minute or so of our pre-show <laughs> conversation because it was was just... it a conversation <laughs> <laughs> it was a musical number it was chris and i were performing rose's turn quite well i might add <laughs> rose's turn of course a musical number from not west side story famously uh, from glee <laughs> i really despise you i know i know that's that's a number from the first season right because i think i think i saw it yes it's they do a weird where it's like i'm thinking of their cds it's on cd volume three and i confidently know that but i believe cd volume three does line up with the first season 
Is there a way to fact check this? Yes. Are Probably. we going to? No. No. <laughs> but Rose's turn is from what musical, Chris? Uh, Gypsy, a musical fable. Um, and I'm allowed to use that term because we're talking about a person, not a group of people. So hopefully this isn't right. Don't cancel me. Um, <laughs> also, when I say it's the greatest American musical maybe ever written. So don't cancel me. <laughs> um, but we were talking about it because um, the start of this episode is, is going to be will chris cry um that's the game we're playing right now um you may already be aware of this uh for us it's only been a week for you it will have been a couple weeks um mm -hmm. but on the friday following thanksgiving uh that's what it doesn't matter november like 28 yeah i think so it was the 28 something like that oh yeah november 26 that sounds right or more right um, but uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, uh, composer, lyricist, legend, Chris's personal like icon and hero, Stephen Sondheim, passed away at the age of 91. Uh, he, of course, is the lyricist behind uh, both Gypsy and West Side Story. Um, mm -hmm. So he had been giving a few interviews. There are still a couple more yet to come uh, that we'll, we'll see released, but... Uh, in the lead up to West Side Story, he of course was doing a certain modicum of a press cycle as part of it. So um, uh, a lot of those interviews, a lot of those things have changed essentially into tributes. Um, Chris, you're not gonna... I have spent so much time in the last week and a half crying about this man. Um, yeah. It... My father, when my father was like informed, oh yeah, Chris is sad, Chris is crying, like <laughs> Sondheim died a couple hours ago, and I truly have been like crying a lot of that afternoon. Yeah. And uh, after a few minutes, he was like, oh, so what happened? And my mom's like, oh, he, well, he was 91. And my dad just goes, the way Chris is crying about this, I assumed he was a 45 year old or something who died in a car accident. <laughs> I'm like, yes, but that's not the point. No, you're never ready. You're never ready to say goodbye regardless of how old they are. No, and I think what made it harder, because if you look at my Twitter feed, a lot of the tweets you'll still see, the most recent ones are a lot of retweets, a lot of favorites um, of that weekend because I was just grief scrolling through Twitter. And one of my favorite tweets that I saw was the question, um, what is the celebrity death that hit you the hardest? And the thing is, as this tweet said, I never had an answer to this question because I always knew it hasn't happened yet. And mm -hmm. it was exactly as I feared it was going to be. Um, it was probably made worse, though, because in October, I, th I think it was in October, um, Sondheim briefly appeared on Stephen Colbert's show. Um, they have a friendship, a certain level of respect for each other. Um, Colbert sang in the company concert with Neil Patrick Harris in 2010, maybe 2012, somewhere around there. Either way, that doesn't matter. Again, we could fact check it. We're not going to. Um, but uh, 
during that interview, Sondheim revealed that he was actively, actually working on a musical that he hoped would be up in time for next Broadway season. Now, I mean, the expectation basically is because it sounds like it was unfinished. They still knew they were working on it. They had work to do. Um, it's unlikely we're ever going to see it, would be my yeah. guess. Um, but what made it hard was that idea that he was a working composer again. Yeah. Because, I mean, since the mid-90s, when Passion uh, won the Tony for Best Musical, after Passion, he wrote like two and a half, like well, not even two and a half, like one and a half musicals from then on. Mm -hmm. um, because following Passion, uh, he, wrote a, he wrote new songs for the Frogs, um, and then they were working on what was Wise Guys, Became Bounce, is now officially known as Roadshow for like a decade. That eventually came out in 08, but like since then, there's been nothing. And mm -hmm. before then, there was nothing. So it was like, okay, we kind of assumed we've seen the last of Sondheim. And he had said, oh, I was working on the Bunuel musical, and then it was canceled. They said, oh, we are no longer in development of it, like a year or so ago. And I was so sad that day because I was like, okay, it means it's all done. And now it turns out the musical that they were working on was that musical again that they picked it up and said oh no we can do it um and now we're probably never going to see it so it just hurt to know like he was working again and that made it feel like oh my god he's going to give us to quote something he said he's going to give us more to see and unfortunately unfortunately <laughs> katie this is so stupid why am i crying about this because um, it's something that you care about because it, it was something that you were passionate about and it's okay to be sad about it it's not dumb it isn't dumb um but unfortunately what it means is that like the sondheim canon is now complete um and i mean we can be obviously grateful for the works he gave musical theater um personally a lot of people have heard me say this um, in the last so many days. Um, part of why it has hit me so much is I love musicals. Obviously, I love musicals. I'm about to go see a musical for the fourth time today, and I saw it last two days ago. So, <laughs> like, I love musicals. I still have pages yes. of notes on how to fix that particular musical, because I think it could be really good, but that's beside the point. The point is, I love musicals, and Sondheim hit me at the right time in middle school that I was just like, oh my god, I love this work. Even Company, a musical about, like, middle-aged... Ennui is the wrong word, but they're like Manhattanites. They are social people about loneliness and connection and all these things. And me as, like, a 14, 15-year-old was like, oh my god, this musical speaks to me. Which is wild. Um, but, like, his music... Truly, I, like, from the time I started knowing it, it has been, like, mine. Sondheim has been my guy. Um, a tribute that I read this week uh, at one point said, one of the things I knew other people knew Sondheim 
And I was always like, no, Sondheim is mine. Nobody else knows his music like I do. Nobody else mm -hmm. likes his music like I do. And that's how I felt as somebody, like, I mean, I was around people who were okay with theater. I would never necessarily like was a theater kid to the point of like doing shows with people who knew everything. Um, so like, and I mean, I'm here in the Midwest where it, is going to be different. You're not necessarily going to see the Sondheim shows, the sort of yeah. this stuff. You're going to get the more, okay, well, this will offend nobody and challenge no one, and you'll just have a good time in the theater. That's a lot of what we got to see or or people would produce. And so Sondheim, it was always like, he is mine. Nobody else gets it. I do. That story I told a couple few weeks ago on this podcast um, about the 80th birthday concert and... Yeah my fam not getting it or like the christmas that i got the raul esparza company cast recording and i was listening to it and barbara walsh doing the ladies who lunch and she really does also like scream part of that song and i'm playing it and my family is like this sounds bad and i'm like no <laughs> the point is she is drunk and she is feeling these things and she is singing about herself she is singing a screed about people like her um and knows that internally and that's why it works and so like it was always a thing of it's mine sondheim belongs to me and so now uh, to to quote this same piece and you know what i'll go ahead i will put a link to this like Substack piece in mm -hmm. the episode description um one of the things it says a really touching rumination on celebrity deaths was these people who shaped you, these people who like taught you how to be in the world, who taught you to view media and culture and all these things, when they die, it means that like their stuff will be replaced by new people who are changing the game, who are changing how we view media, how we see this. And so it's creating a world that like by the time you and I are old, Katie, the world that we grew up in won't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And so with the death of Sondheim, it means that like this world, this work, this thing that he changed is now history. It is not happening. Um, but how, how lucky we were mm -hmm. to live, how lucky we were to live in a world that he lived in, that he created music, that he wrote lyrics. So let's talk about one of the shows he wrote lyrics for. Let's let's talk about West Side Story. Let's do it. We're going to give Chris a minute. He's feeling a lot of emotions, and we welcome those emotions, and we celebrate those emotions in this space. This is a safe space, and we love you, Christopher. So the premise of today's episode is that we were going to discuss the original 1957 Broadway um, cast recording of West Side Story and then kind of talk about the premiere that's upcoming and Katie and Chris might have to yell at each other at some point because Ansel Elsgaard should have never been attached to this movie but it's fine and we're not going to talk about that yet and it's okay and look that got Chris out of a sad spot now he's ready to fight maybe I shouldn't have poked the bear while he's so emotional I don't know time will tell guys I might come I, to regret all of this because I truly still feel that I'm on the verge so like yeah. push yeah. me girl 
all go ahead and push. Um, <laughs> part of why we are talking about the 57 cast recording is because leading up to the movie, a lot of the things said was they are returning to certain aspects that are perhaps more reminiscent of the stage version than the 61 film. Um, in reading reviews, because reviews are out for us now, um, mm -hmm. I don't know how true that really seems. Um, really, it seems the only, like, big similarities are some of the lyrics have reverted to their original stage versions. Um, thankfully, America is not completely <laughs> reverted. Um, but Cool is put into the first act. Krupke stays in the first act, though, so, like, we'll see about that. Yeah, we'll just... We'll see how this goes, but Katie, this was your first time listening to the 57 cast recording. Obviously, yeah. the orchestration is different. There is less of it because it is not for film. Um, fun fact, Leonard Bernstein did not really like the orchestration of the film version. He thought it was, like, too big and obvious. Um, mm -hmm. How did you feel about listening to this recording? Did you feel the same ways of Bernstein? So, as we all know, I love change. I welcome it into every facet of my life, and I'm just constantly looking to, like, have my world shifted. We all know this about me. We know how much it's like, oh, this thing is going to change. Katie Clay's the first girl to be like, yes, let's go. So, probably to nobody's surprise, I struggled listening to this. Um, not a ton. There were some that I was like, yes, love it. Like, so okay with this. But like, I kept being like, it sounds so much thinner. It sounds, as you said, not quite as full big band. And because I've grown up with the fuller sound, mm -hmm. that's my preference. So like, I am would be against Leonard, I suppose. Yeah. I, I agree, just because I think I've listened, not I think, I know I've listened to the film soundtrack far more often yes so it just sounds smaller um yes i think there are some parts that work um really in talking about the original cast recording there are really only two things that i want to talk about or bring up mm -hmm. three things there are three number one listening to it flow wise how did you feel about cool coming so early I I did not mind it. I was a lot more okay with it than I thought I would be. Um, obviously, I'm listening to the song that comes before it, and I have a lot of thoughts about that. And then Cool comes on, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot that we were doing this. Like, let's go. So I, it, it flowed well for me. I also think... The stage version, or the cast recording version, is not necessarily as intense, because the moment isn't supposed to be as intense. So it really does feel like a very different song. It does. It truly does, yeah. I think, personally, I like it better in Act 2, because I don't like Krupke in that spot. Um, I get why it was for a 1957 Broadway audience, but mm -hmm. the movie made the right choices there. I think yes. the upcoming film is making a good decision, keeping Krupke where it is, 
do you want a vague spoiler related thing that I read in a review about cool? Yes. So Katie and I have already gone through the track listing of the soundtrack of the 21 film. Uh, we No, I've only listened to one. No, but we've talked through the song listing. Yes, yes. That's yes, what yes, I mean. Yes, yes, yes. So we've like looked at that, talked through it. And we were both like, oh, because cool happens before the rumble and cool apparently has been shifted into a duet between Tony and Riff. Whether or not other people dance in it, we don't know. Yeah. But I did see, apparently, the number's entire meaning has kind of been changed. That it has become a moment involved. My, my guess is, my assumption based on what I read was, it sounds like Riff is basically like showing, I'm going to bring weapons to this. And Tony is like, kind of play almost like playing keep away with a weapon and it becomes like a they are going back and forth with a gun and like tony's trying to stop him riff wants to bring the gun something like that i think it's a very interesting interpretation we'll have to see it in action yeah it's like that intrigues me and i get it and Mm -hmm. i am also like okay i enjoy that idea of it being a little bit more playful and just riff being like i'm gonna do it and tony being like hold on hold on hold on calm down yes. but like going back and forth with the gun i'm like i don't love that but i i think it would work to help show more of the relationship between tony and riff tony and riff and absolutely i think not that we're going to litigate ansel elgort i think giving him more opportunity to be like here is who I was when I was in the gang and trying to make him feel less like, say in the 61 version, obviously I love it. Yeah. But does Tony feel like he used to be in a gang? No, absolutely not. No. So I think doing something like this and Ansel Elgort has a certain energy that you could buy as like maybe a little bit rough and tumble. Whether or not we agree, we can say whatever we want about a singing voice because we have opinions, but I kind of like the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's number one. Number two, not that I'm going to put you on blast. Did you make it all the way to somewhere? No. Okay. So you missed the somewhere ballet. After we're recording, not that I'm saying that Katie didn't listen to the full recording. (laughs) The the one task she was given for this recording. Um, (laughs) I didn't. I listened up into Tonight Quintet. That's as far as I got. Because I was listening to it while I was working, and then I needed to not be listening to it while I was working. Wow. So I guess you care more about your job than your podcast. Okay. Uh, No. Michelle Farr, if you're listening, absolutely not. I care much more about this podcast. Um, so your one assignment then after we end this episode, Katie, will be to listen to Somewhere because Somewhere uh, features a ballet sequence in the original okay. stage version. Um, I love the music of the Somewhere ballet. It is still very unclear whether or not the Somewhere ballet is in the movie. I'm assuming it isn't. 
I believe the track has been released, but I have not listened to it. So it, again, if I had done research, I could know. But um, the Somewhere Ballet is a big change. So listen to it. See what you think. Then finally, America. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yep, one. correct. So the lyrics are changed and it does not start the same. Mm-hmm. And so you're already like, why would they do this to me? Why would they personally attack me like this back in 1957? Um, <laughs> I wanna, so as a side joke, I happened to be at the bank with my mother and I had my wallet open and my vaccination card is sitting right there where I can see it. And I look and she wrote my birthday down wrong. And she wrote the year of my birth as 1955 instead of 1995. So she aged me by 40 years. And so now when I say the 1957 version, I want to be like when I was two years old, but you wouldn't get that joke because you weren't there when I saw that she wrote my birthday down wrong. Okay, going back to America. The lyrics are changed. It hurts me on a personal level. Anita's voice is gorgeous. Is it only females? Yes. And I did not care for that. So it is only females because Jerry Robbins... Jerome Robbins, if you will, um, wanted a number for only females in this spot. Um, They rewrote the lyrics. They rewrote part of the book to, like, introduce a character to argue back and forth. To me, it doesn't work because Rosalia is not a character. She exists here to be a fan of Puerto Rico, and there's nothing. So, And the movie version, not only are the lyrics more biting, but then you also get... Now you get Bernardo and you get to develop Anita Bernardo and that works so much better. And it's so, it's so much fun to see the back and forth with them because it's like, yes, they are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum, but you see so much love and there's so much flirting and playfulness as it goes on. Like there's absolutely nothing better than like, um, you forget I'm in America and like she kind of rolls her eyes he kind of rolls his eyes like it's one of my favorite moments of the movie and that's not in the recording mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's not as good it just no. is not as good the 21 version is keeping the fight between the boys and the girls um the lyrics are the same once we get to the first i like the island manhattan smoke on your pipe and put that in i like to be in america everything is the same the intro is the broadway version with some slight differences especially and it's I, just so frustrating it's so annoying because the way that they started in the 1960 whatever movie is so perfect the problem is i can't tell if that's all ariana debose singing i don't think it is and i hope it's not because it doesn't make as much sense the problem with doing the broadway intro without doing 
they've like cut it in half so you lose you ugly island island of tropic diseases the hurricanes blowing the population growing and they changed instead of the bullets flying and the people trying that doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't all work sense. in the same way no. It, it, no. that's the one thing i'm like i don't like the intro choices they made yeah i agree do you have anything else to say about america i should ask um i just my last note is i am dot 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 not a fan no i have nothing else to no. add i've i've never loved the broadway version um the movie yeah. version is you? the movie version is impeccable and i yeah. don't like that they're making a small change to it so that brings us to our final segment katie what are your hopes your dreams how are you feeling are you nervous are you excited where are we at for spielberg's I'm, I'm west side story I'm a big boiling pot of emotions. You know, there is always, I guess I'm speaking for myself. There is always this fear of like, what if I love it so much? Like, what if I just think of it as better than the original? I don't think there's a world in which I do, but that's always a fear in the back of my head of like, what if this overtakes the original? And so there's that playing into my mind. I cannot stand Ansel Elsgort being in this movie. I didn't like it from the beginning. I voiced it at the beginning. And then I heard the balcony scene of tonight. And now I really don't like him in the movie. And so I'm terrified of that. I Some of the changes excite me. Some of them terrify me. I'm just a lot of emotions. I think my hope is that I can still walk away with some positives, and I think that I will, because I think I'm really going to enjoy the females of this movie, and I have a feeling that the males are going to leave me wanting a lot more, specifically Ansel Elsgore, maybe the rest of the male ensemble, I don't know. But I hope that they do a good job of paying homage to the show, I guess, is really all that I want from this. Yeah, I, reading reviews has made me feel better about the fact mm -hmm. that at least it'll be a good movie. Will I maybe be mad about things about it? Yes. Will that allow me to still enjoy it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I do appreciate that a lot of the reviews I've been reading have kind of been like, does it overtake the original? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Is it a good movie? Did they do a good job? Yes. Is it mm -hmm. good that it's all Latino, Latina actors and actresses as the sharks? Yes. yes. That is certainly something. I do understand when I defend the 61 movie, or not even defend, but just sing the praises of, one of the things that you, I have to recognize is for some people, they're like, yes, we absolutely need a remake. We need this because the original is offensive. Rita Moreno yeah. was in brown face as a Puerto Rican. Yeah. So, so that I understand and that I get. Um, it sounds like Spielberg did a good job. I mean, people want Spielberg to make another musical now. And I'm like, oh my God, could he do like, I don't know what musical Spielberg should do next. I saw somebody say Fiddler on the Roof, and I was like, okay, well, I get it. Spielberg does a lot of Jewish-related movies. Does he need to make <laughs> Fiddler? Yeah. Um, 
But I don't know what what musical would I want. I mean, Wicked is a big one. I, but I, I don't know if I need him to do Wicked. I mean, I wouldn't mind him doing an original movie musical. Okay. Things to consider, Spielberg. Give us a call. We'll bounce some ideas off each other. We'll come up with something. Don't you worry, baby boy. You call us. We won't call you. No. Oh, no. We would never. <laughs> a bit below us, if you ask me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm mostly excited for Rita Moreno, for Ariana DeBose, and Rachel Zegler. They're who I'm most excited yeah. for. Um. I think I'm going into it mostly excited. I'm going into it such a big bundle of emotion because I just, as I said earlier, I love change so much. And so I'm like, it can it, can it do what it needs to do to win me over? I don't know. Yeah. Especially with Ansel. The problem is I thought after Baby Driver... What a great choice this was. What a good casting. I loved it. Hearing him sing. Have you heard anything outside of tonight? Have you heard any of his other songs? I listened to Something's Coming. Oh, God. Okay. And? It's it's not bad, but... Insert eye roll here. Okay, but... That's. I think that's all that needs to be said. I just, when we're doing movie musicals, I get that you're like, okay, we need movie actor names. We need this. We need that. And I'm like, okay, you need somebody who can sing. You need talent. And I mean this in the nicest way. Like, one of the greatest flaws in a movie of many flaws of Tom Hooper's Les Miserables mm-hmm. was casting actors who could not sing the material mm-hmm. like amanda seafried is not a bad singer i like her in mamma mia she mm-hmm. is not up to cosette no, no uh, eddie redmayne is an actor i actually don't like anyway um <laughs> but i do not like him as marius i mm-hmm. also don't particularly like hugh jackman and i think he busts in like a bull through a china shop in bring him home which is supposed to be this like sad lullaby whatever and hugh jackman is just caterwauling through the whole thing i mean it's horrific um and i could name many more russell crowe um who i don't think we was could as all bad. Name russell crow. i don't <laughs> think he was as bad as everybody else said but he's not good it was like a he yeah. is serviceable at best and that's the problem. This is not something that you need to be serviceable to sing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Ansel Elgort kind of is to me. Having heard two of his songs, I'm like, he was a serviceable singer. That's not who you needed. No. No, it is not. So. So there you have it. So you're excited. I'm excited. I'm 98% excited, 2% terrified. Are you going on opening day? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I've, they haven't, I typically will go to theaters, will go to one theater in Ankeny and they haven't had the show times yet. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't know when it's playing. I'm probably going on opening day. 
Opening day being Friday? Yeah. Okay. I mean, in spite of myself, I want it to be good. I want to really enjoy it. I want to be able to, like, sit back and not think, oh, well, this is different, or, oh, I have a problem with this. I'm really going to try and take it in, not comparing the two. Mm -hmm. I really want to go into it. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I am. Though I cannot believe, I I cannot believe that they kept it a secret until the review embargo lifted that a large chunk of the movie is in unsubtitled Spanish. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that was kept hidden. And I kind of love that. Like, it, it, because I'm really excited about the Spanish. That makes me excited. Yes. Do I wish that, like, I don't know, a couple of the songs were back to their Spanish translations from Lin-Manuel Miranda? Yes, I do yes. wish that. But... I think it's a gutsy, bold move of Spielberg to say we're going to do unsubtitled Spanish. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely is. Well, if you think this whole podcast was a gutsy choice, let us know in the <laughs> reviews. Um, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on any streaming service, podcatcher. Um, if you listen to us a lot, tell us through Spotify Wrapped. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we have yet to be tagged in anybody's Spotify wrapped, and I'm sorry, but Katie cannot tweet us and tag us as the only Spotify wrapped. <laughs> um, you can also interact with us on Twitter, on Instagram, on the Facebook. We're on all of our the social meets under a variety of either Just Meaningful Plastic on Facebook, JMP Pod on Twitter, and JMP.pod on Instagram. Well, Katie, I like to be in America. Well, Chris, I know you do. (laughs) And please stay tuned to watch Steven Spielberg's 2021 adaptation of West Side Story coming up next. Wait, are you doing gypsy again? Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, someone tell me, when is it my turn? Don't I get a dream for myself? Would I watch a Spielberg adaptation of Gypsy? It's not right for him. It's not right for him, but would I watch it? Yeah.